Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. I mean, I think I just keep on going back to this curiosity thing and like the why not or how does this work or like what's my limit? Or what, what can I do? Where will I be a year from now? You know, how good of a how good of a son can I be? How good of a a boyfriend can I be? How good of a a teammate, a leader can I be? And then okay, like what do I have to do to to get to that level? And mm-hmm. it's, it's the good thing about that is it's never ending. It's intercepted, picked Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. So my guest this week is Elijah Molden, my son. Uh, he is a two-time All-Pac-12 defensive back, played for University of Washington. Um, and he is he's getting ready for the NFL draft. He's getting ready for the, the biggest job interview that he will ever have. And so I got a chance to catch up with him, you know, while he's doing his training down in Southern California. And um, he's rejected to go in either the first or second round. So um, I'm excited for him. He's been planning for this. He's been dreaming of this for many years. And uh, we got a chance to sit down and chop it up a little bit. I'm excited for you guys to to kind of hear some of his thoughts. I asked him some pretty some pretty deep questions. Let's uh, let's have a listen. All right, man. How is it? Tell me. How is it like, man, preparing for the biggest job interview of your life? What's going on with you? First of all, you can just call me son instead of man. Son. 
Son. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people. Uh, yes, it's the combine. Yes, it's the draft, and a lot. You know, a lot of people try and make it into this big situation just because it, it, it seems so alien to them. But um, I mean, this this feels like something I've been doing my whole life. So you know, it's not that it's not that crazy of a situation. Uh, if anything, I'm doing what I love, and especially right now, like I'm around some some crazy talented people, some people who have invested their lives toward you know, toward the game of football or toward, you know, speed training, weight room, weight room stuff, all that stuff. So I'm just trying to soak it up. I hear you. You know, what's pretty cool is that, you know, I'm down here with you for the weekend and I got a chance to see you in your element and get to see you with your coaches. So <laughs> number one, I mean, you know, 2000 or let me see, 2021 compared to 1996. Yeah. I had one coach. He was my speed coach, my strength coach, and my DB coach. And I come here, and I was just, I see you have, you have a DB coach, you have a, a speed coach who is one of the best, mm-hmm. one of the best in the country. And shout out Les. Yeah, Les. And to see him break down for an hour. Him, you know, we just sitting down there w- looking at a computer screen and watching other guys, other, com- um, I guess, young cats at the combine mm-hmm. and break down their 40. Not just their 40, but their 10, their 10 split, their 10 to 20 split, and then all the science that's involved with it. For a whole hour, my mind was blown. Mm-hmm. And so you have that. But then you got, like I said, you got nutrition, you got every type of data that can track, you know, what you're doing. What does that do for you in terms of like confidence? Yeah, having, I mean, yeah. having all those coaches that, you know, are, are putting bugs in your ear and telling you how you look and yeah. how does it show up? I mean, First of all, like, I think it's just an overwhelming feeling of gratitude and, like, you know, to a certain extent, I feel like I'm spoiled rotten right now. You are. You know what I mean? You are. Like you said, I have a nutritionist, speed coach, I got DB coach, um, strength coach. You got, oh, I got you a mindset. Cry- I yeah. got a mindset coach. You cry, all this stuff, and it's just, like, cryotherapy, you know, massage. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it really, like, I feel like I have all this stuff going on. I have all these people around me. Like, if I don't perform, then, like, I'm doing a disservice to them in a way. Um, but really, I mean, I think what attracts me to to these coaches is their attention to detail and their passion for it. Like you said, we spent an hour just breaking down 40 yards. 40 yards, which is, you know, four and a half seconds usually. We spent an hour breaking down four four and a half seconds. <laughs> And that uh, attention to detail, really, you know, that's why I chose to come here to Irvine to, to you know, uh, Spelman Performance. And yeah. shoot, every day I'm out here, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a lot better. I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, getting uncomfortable. And then, you know, I get comfortable and I do the whole thing again. So it's, it's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, looking back at your time at UW, what, are there any, any things you wish you would have did differently? Mm, no, 
No, not at all. I don't. I don't have any type of regrets. I mean, obviously this past year, I wish we had a regular type of season. Yeah. But I think every you know everything happened has led me to a place I'm where I'm at now, and I love where I'm at. So, you know. Yeah. There's probably some stuff that um. You know, I can look back on it and say, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, or I probably should have done this. But hindsight is twenty twenty, so you know. Well, I'm gonna tell you. I, I mean. I've told you this off air, but I, I wish that I would have done the things that you would have done or that you have done in terms of like every summer mm-hmm. you did an internship and you, you not just oh, did yeah. an internship, but you did it with something that you, you had an interest in, whether it was marketing with a helmet company or in sales, mm-hmm. right? Didn't you do something in sales? Yep. Yep. Sales and marketing. I think that's just because you and mom hypnotized me to think life after football. Dang all right. So, <laughs> you know, so every summer I did, instead of just taking regular classes, I wanted to get my credit from internships. Mm-hmm. So I worked with, you know, two sports companies, Vices and Volt. And, you know, just kind of, you know, got my feet wet in the business world, kind of see what it's like to be involved with, you know, in a company and, uh, you know, learn from the market and all that type of stuff. And, you know, it was all great. But at the same time, it made me realize how much I really love football. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. And, and how how hard was it to make those relationships with these these corporations or these, you know, these companies? Was it hard? Did you have help through the university, through the athletic department? Yep. How did yeah. that go? Was it easy? It was easy. I mean, all you have to do is just kind of have some awareness of where you're at. Like, you're at the UW. You're in Seattle, which is a huge, you know, tech market, tech city, all this stuff. And then at that point, you just got to ask the right people, hey, can I get plugged in with this? Can I can I get some, some help in this area? And then they just tee it off for you. So all you got to do, do is show up, really. <laughs> now, let me ask you, do most – Athletes or most teammates, do they take advantage of those opportunities? Um, I think a select few, you know what I mean? Like, because it's tough. Because, I mean, there's a lot going on, and it's kind of tough to, like, take a step back and see where we're at in life. And, you know, because, you know, going from practice to an internship for a couple hours a day where you can just, you know, go home and chill on the couch instead, like, that doesn't sound fun. Mm. Right, but I think where I was at, I was just kind of looking to you know to learn something new to get outside my comfort zone. You know, and, and like I said, the more the more credits, the better, because now I graduated early and I don't gotta be worried about taking online classes right now. So yeah, I know that's pretty cool. Um, if you could give some young athletes just getting started with their you know their their foot, I'm gonna say their football, their collegiate athletic careers what advice would you give I mean a lot of people say like work hard but I don't think you know obviously you need to be able to work hard you need to you need to have that type of mindset but a lot of people don't even know where to start so I think step one create a plan you know set set um, weekly objectives weekly goals and then just kind of take it day by day you know because a lot of you know if you're work if you're working hard and but you don't know what you're working towards then it's just kind of 
You're just working. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you're, and part of that is, you know, doing your research on how to maximize your, your training. You know, you, you can have a mentor who can give you great advice, or you can go to YouTube, and then from there, just set up a plan and then work on it, so, um, you know, I think work, people say work hard is more than that. That's that's the that's the foundation, but first you got to direct that effort toward, you know, a goal. Did you have a mentor? I had a couple. Okay. I had a couple. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, what makes a good leader? I think leadership is weird, just because when people ask me, it's it's something that is kind of tough to pinpoint. You know what I mean? Like, I think a leader walks in the room. And there's a certain energy about him. You know what I mean? Like he, it's, it's like he brings people together, and he brings out the best in other people without even trying to force anything. So I think, I think first, you know, you have to have your house in order as a leader. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, what do you mean by that? Like your house in order? You got to make sure, like as a leader, you never want to ask people to do things that you don't do yourself, right? So you got to kind of have the roadmap individually and then once then you kind of establish the way or a path then that's when you start asking others to do the same so I mean and like I said I think leadership is there's there's a billion different definitions of it but you know it when you see it it's funny you say that man because we we've been hanging out and we've been re-watching the last dance you know with Michael Jordan and one of the things that really popped out to me is when his teammates was talking about him and the amount of work that he put in and he was very demanding mm. but he demanded a lot of a lot of out of himself first yeah you think he was a good leader i think he was and i had this i had this conversation with coach Pete um that's Coach Peterson. Yes, co- yes, Coach, coach Peterson, Coach Peterson, who coached you for a number of years when yeah, he was at UW. Yeah, okay, yeah. Chris Peterson. But yeah. I have this conversation. You know, he he's like he's all in leadership. He he's one of the mentors that I go to for this type of stuff. And um, we were talking about his approach to leadership and rallying people, and he kind of led through fear. You know, there, coach there's Peterson? no, not Coach Pete. No, Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So there, I think there's. You know, you can lead with love or you can lead with fear. And there's kind of some, you know, it doesn't have to be all one or the other, but um, I think MJ led with fear and it worked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, his teammates felt the pressure when he walked in the room just because how serious he was, but it brought out the best in him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if, I don't know if when they went home, they, they felt good about it, but they were performing. Yeah. And that's but, their job. Yeah. And I think that because, you know, the different relationships that he had with each of them, like he, him and Dennis Rodman had a certain type of relationship yeah. where he didn't have to get on them, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there's those dudes, I mean, like, he he's an anomaly and there's some people I play with where from the outside, it, it may look like, you know, they need guidance, but really it's like. They're comfortable in that uncertainty almost. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they're more free-spirited, but if you try and put them in a box, then that's when, they're, that's when they kind of drop off a little bit. So you kind of got to, like... 
I don't know, not nurture it, but you know, you don't want to. I think they compare Dennis Rodman to like a Mustang. Mm. Yeah, you know the horse. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, put, put a the, put a Mustang in a box and yeah, you won't put the guardrails yeah. up. Yeah, 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 that's cool. All right, what makes a good teammate? And I'm sure you've had good teammates and you have bad teammates. I know I have. Yeah, I mean, shoot, what makes a good teammate? I mean, kind of going back to leadership one, you kind of, I think. Have you, have you had any teammates that were a bad apple? Uh, not not too many. Not too I many? I mean, not not too many at UW. We did a, a good job of recruiting good good dudes. You know what I mean? Dudes mm-hmm. who had their head on straight. But I think make a good teammate is someone that takes time to like learn about other people take time to build relationships and not just in their own position group but like you know you know like when I see a DB hanging out with the offensive lineman I think that's dope you know what I mean if I see that's the good. cool I, kid at school I, I yeah if I see the cool kid at school hanging out with you know someone who's all, all AP classes and stuff I think that's cool I think that's what makes a good teammate I like that and actually I wish I would have done that I wish I would have done that more whether it was in high school or yeah. hung out with like some of the guys who, you know, like offensive linemen. My best friends are offensive linemen. Is that right? I just think they're hilarious. <laughs> they are. Most of them are. They're pretty, yeah, pretty funny. Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you, and I know the answer, but why you dub? I mean, you had the grade you got accepted to Stanford mm-hmm. where... I think a lot of people, most people, can understand what a Stanford degree can do for you, what type of doors it can open for you. And, you know, me and your mom, yeah. we were shooting for Stanford for you. But but why UW and not a place like Stanford? I mean, I don't think Stanford was a great fit for me. Why? Maybe, maybe academically, I think, you know, obviously, they're prestigious or whatnot. But when I, when I went and visited, I met a bunch of great people and I love Coach Akina, Coach Shaw, all those guys, they're great, you know, they're great coaches, but it just didn't, at the end of the day, I think it just came down to that gut feeling, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot of times in life where you just gotta listen to your gut, listen to your intuition, and that's what I did in that case, mm. and it paid off, because yeah. I didn't wanna, you know, go there and end up regretting it or anything. Yeah. I think I think in all the big decisions in my life, I take the time to learn and, and gain knowledge and, you know, understand the position I'm in, do my research, and then after that, I just kind of let my gut guide me. I like that. So, um, Tell me a time, man, where, actually, when was the moment you thought you, that you had a gift in terms <laughs> of, like, athleticism, where that can take you places? Because yeah. I can tell you, you know, from my I'm going to hear your view. answer. You want to hear my answer first? No, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Shoot. Where you was There's like, man, a, I'm different. I'm kind of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a couple times, like, this is weird, but when I'd be wrestling Isaiah, my older brother, and he would take it too far, and I'd flip a switch, and I, like, I felt, <laughs> I felt like I'd get super <laughs> strong and super fast, and 
And Josiah kind of has that too, and a couple other, you know, Ezra has it and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think I kind of like, I don't know, just whenever I was out doing physical stuff as a young kid, I kind of flipped that switch. Mm. And that's what I felt like. But I didn't think of anything of it just because you and mom were always talking about be humble. And I, I think I got that confused with, you know, the definition of humility is, you know, not thinking of yourself, but thinking of others. But I was thinking less of myself mm. and more, you know, more of others. So I looked at my, you know, my gift as just, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was that special. And mm. I think part of that is, is really powerful because it drives, you know, it's that you're never satisfied with where you're at mm-hmm. and you're always hungry. Um, and that's why I'm a perfectionist too. But I think I know that's a it's not, it's a super really powerful, but it's also it can also be detrimental. All right, all right. This week's show is is brought to you by the High Achievers Academy. The High Achievers Academy I created it for former elite level and pro level athletes and coaches who are having a tough time transitioning. So what this will do. It will help bring out your superpowers. It'll help you actually align your purpose and your passion. So I do it through these modules. There's five different modules, and it'll be covering in six weeks where we'll really lay the framework and talk about leadership and how to lead yourself first. Um, And then we, we talk about how to tell your story and how important that is. And then developing and leveraging your brand and then creating relationship roadmaps. So this is something that I created. It's something I wish I would have had, honestly, when I finished playing and I was I was lost. Um, but it was I had myself and others in mind when I created this course. So take a look at it, check it out. You can find it on my website, alexmolden.com, and just click on the Higher Achievers Academy. And it gives you more information there. Okay? All right, back to the show. Yeah, we've been talking about that. I'm going to tell you one of the, the times specifically when I thought was like, okay. Yeah, he's just, I know he's an athlete, but actually it was two times. And I, I think he was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe second, third grade. Oh, flag football? No, no, no. It was soccer. Mm. When you score, you score like eight or nine goals. <laughs> you remember that? I don't remember. It was that. in San Diego. You scored like eight or nine goals. And then also, when we lived in San Diego, you had a uh, in baseball. Oh yeah. You had yeah. an unassisted triple, triple play. play. I remember that. one. Now I'm not a baseball dude. I played one year. Yeah. And I struck out every time I got on. I cried my eyes and walk into the dugout. So I don't know a whole bunch about baseball. But when I saw that, an unassisted triple play, meaning you caught it, he was in first base? Was, was in or shortstop or something? I don't know, but that was, I think I was in first grade. So I caught it, <laughs> and everyone stood still, and I just ran and touched them. So it wasn't that impressive. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Anyway, um, man, tell me a time. Um, actually, I'm going to tee it up. Okay. A time of uh, when you had adversity. And so I want to like just kind of uh, put this, you know, the story, I'm put it together. We were, um, we were going to, 
You was uh, a junior, I think. Yep. He was a junior in high school. This, when we went to Houston? Yeah. Far. Yeah, junior in high school. And you were going to go to a Nike uh, a Nike regional. Yeah, for the opening. Opening camp, right. And so, because I always wanted to take you and, yeah, you were good. You was a good athlete in Portland. But I always wanted to expose you to different areas so you can be able to test your talents in mm-hmm. other places. So we went up to Seattle. We went to Oakland. We went to L.A. I uh, went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Houston. So I got everything set up. You know, bought the, the plane tickets and all that stuff. Me and you were going. And so I'll, the, the first leg, it was from Portland to San Jose. And then the second leg was San Jose to Houston. Well, I end up booking the second flight from San Jose. Uh, first of all, hold on. First of all, you booked San Jose, Mexico. So no, you, it was, it was you, South America somewhere. You booked that one wrong, I and did. then the second one, we went to Dallas instead of Houston. Well, and we I, had to. And I sat in between you and this 400-pound <laughs> this four hundred pound dude. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, anyway, we, we, so we were going to get there the, the night before, and everything was going to be cool, but we ended up, I had to uh, book a flight. We got in like at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then we had to... Uh, rent a car from Dallas to Houston. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, two or three hours in the car, very little amount of sleep. And then we get there and they lost our, our luggage. So we have yeah. no, you have no cleats, you have no gloves, no shorts, no mouth, no drawers, no nothing. And then, and then what happens? Yeah, I remember that. I mean, like you said, everything was. We got there at, I think we landed at two a.m. in Dallas, and then we drove probably three hours. I didn't sleep the whole drive. Um, and then we're in this diner. You remember we went to the diner? That's right. Yeah. We're in the diner, and we were getting breakfast, and I was just like, oh, you know, this is terrible. This is, you know, this is the worst. And then we pulled up to the. You, know, you ended up working out. I think it was Eugene. He gave me some cleats or whatever. Yeah some cleats I got some Hanes socks from Target and we pulled up and I got out the car and like no one knew who I was and no one cared about me (laughs) so I was like these people don't care about what whatever happened the last 24 hours they don't even know who I am so at this point like why does any of it matter Mm. and I think early on in the drills I think I tripped and fell actually no, I didn't know that. I think I was doing ladder drill and I tripped and fell or whatever. But I ended up falling out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, looking back, it wasn't anything crazy. Like, I, I wouldn't say that's, I mean, that's not like long-term adversity. That's just a bad situation. But but I want people to understand, like, like you went into a situation where you had, I mean, you didn't have anything. Nobody yeah. knew about you. You knew about yourself and your own skills, and but you didn't let any of that. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't no like poor me or I'm not gonna try hard because I don't have this that and the other. But you went out there and 
you know, despite all those circumstances, mm-hmm. you ran a great 40. You did a great, you know, you, you balled out in all the position drills. You locking guys up. Mm-hmm. And then you end up getting an invite to the opening. Oh, yeah. Which goes to some elite players. Yeah. I thought that was just pretty dope that you was able to, you know, to steal ball out and not not just like, oh, woe is me. I've never done that in my life. I've never done – people talk about it not trying hard. I've never not tried hard at anything in my life. So if anything, I try too hard. Mm. So yeah. I think now I think I think I was born with that that quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, at a certain point, I think you know you need to burn the ships. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We're in Houston. What are we gonna do? Just not not do the camp? And yeah. if you decide to do the camp, what are you gonna do? Not try? Not give your full effort? You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to waste waste my time or waste yours. So let's get after it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about another time right. when we went to uh, we went to Vegas for the seven on seven tournament. We went to Vegas and um, I think it was like one of our, our first games, first or second games. And uh, I remember you was facing this team. I think it was from Texas or Dallas mm-hmm. or somewhere. And you was going up against this receiver. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah, he was solid. What happened? He caught, I think he caught like the first two routes on me. And like his, his mom started hyping him up and talking trash to me. And that kind of like brought brought something out of me. And I had a good game. At the end, I think he caught, you know, he caught a touchdown, like a back shoulder. It was really, really nice throw, nice catch. But, um, you know. I had a nice game. What can I say? <laughs> okay, let me go deeper. Okay, because because that's one point of view. Let me tell you what I saw. And I was a dad off to the side, you know, just, just taking in information. But what happened was you went out there, dude caught a nice little route on you, and then, yep, his parents started talking stuff, and then he started talking stuff like, this dude can't hold me. This oh, dude, yeah, I remember This dude that. can't cover me. Get somebody else. He can't cover me. So then that same drive, he ends up catching, like you said, a touchdown on you. And I think my probably the first time in your career that that has happened. And I watched you and your body language. And you were pissed. You were pissed at yourself. You were, It looked like you was pissed at yourself. You wasn't, you know, just lowering your head. But I saw you the next time, the next series you came out there. And it was a totally different dude. Yeah. You you ran out there. Like you ran out there to face this dude. And you had like a total different mindset. You, your body language changed. And you were, I can tell you were focused. And that dude had a, a, a rough rest of that game. Yeah. I think, I remember now. I was pissed. Um, I think I was just playing with aggression. And that's not that's not like the only type of emotion you can play with, but it's a powerful one. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bruce Lee said like emotional content and that stuff. And at that point, I was feeling pissed, so I play that way. There's some games where I feel completely relaxed and content, and I go out and I play that way. Or there's some there's some games where you know I feel pretty much is however I feel in the moment. I'm gonna bottle up that energy. And directed towards 
my opponent or whatever I need to do. I think that's the most... That's probably why I play football is the feeling you get when you're on the field and you have that uh, like controlled rage pretty much. Mm. I think it's, it's really powerful and hard to explain, but you're in the zone. And I, I kind of chased that feeling for the first two years of my college career trying to get in that zone. And I finally figured out a system. What is that? I mean, it, it changes for everyone, but part of it is just knowing yourself, knowing who you are. I'm always a person who needs to calm my nerves before I play, so I don't need to listen to a bunch of pump-up music, you know? So mm. found a system, and then at that point, I knew every week whenever I would step on the field, it would come out, and that was when it happened at the end of my junior year. It was Apple Cup, Washington State. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been playing pretty well. That's pretty cool, man. I used to listen to, I was one of those cats, like listen to like some, some rap music. Yeah. Some Wu Tang. Listen to some NWA to get me going, and I did that in college, and then maybe like my first three or four years in the league, and then I stopped using headphones. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't need that anymore, because I was thinking more. Yeah. I, I got a chance to think and assess, and I didn't need all that hype music. Yeah, and it's good for some for some folks. Some people listen to like some R and B to calm themselves down. So there's no either right or wrong. I no, think it's just you just got to like you said you got to get to know yourself. Someone asked me like what, well, why don't you listen to music or what do you do before a game? I get dressed and I just watch everyone else because at that point I feel like it's too late. <laughs> yeah, you playing you playing sixty minutes like there's nothing you can do that's gonna, you know what I mean like. The clock is ticking. You can't you can't, you can't save yourself. Mm. The work was already put in, in the week before. So, yeah. What do you think makes you a high performer? You know, this is the the shark effect. You know, we like to uncover. You know the the qualities yeah. of high performers. What makes you a high performer? Uh, I think a lot of things. I mean. For one, I think I was born with a certain amount of like drive that I have, and like um, that like obsessive quality about me that is powerful, but it can also be a problem, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I think that, and then also just like cu- being curious, because when you're curious and you start asking questions, and when you ask questions, you start unlocking doors to to different skills and different people, and then. From there, you can, you know, it's just, it, you open more doors and more doors. So, yeah, but I think going going back to the obsessive, obsessiveness quality, I think you got to have a certain, certain amount of balance in your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't be all football, which is tough for me because I, I want to be that. But at a certain point, like if you're all football, then, you know, you, you can't, you're too rigid. And... You know, if you don't, you just kind of fall out of balance with everything and you start trying too hard and, and then your, you know, your, uh, results aren't what you want it to be and you're never satisfied. So it's kind of this weird thing where you're obsessed, but you kind of trick yourself that it's not that big of a deal, even though it is. Mm. And in that situation, that kind of like sweet spot, that's when you get the best results. Mm, I like that. And that's, you know, something that, that I dealt with in terms of, like, 
diving into football and and um, I mean it gave me great success in terms of like diving in and learning because I didn't have like my football IQ and I always talk to you about you know mm-hmm. how important football IQ is you know I didn't I didn't have it yeah you know I was delayed because I didn't watch it I didn't play it a ton when I was growing up yeah um so how do you because you're you, you do have a high football IQ and I think you've already you know there's more to go yeah but how are you going to keep increasing your football IQ when you know you're going to be playing at the yeah. highest level are you going to be you know looking at more film are you going to be looking for a mentor mm-hmm. on a team that you play for yeah what's your plan well first I like I think like people talk about football IQ and just kind of like all the opportunities I've had in my life I had a huge head start mm-hmm. like not that many people have you know parents who played a dad who played professional and I grew up in a you know grew up in Westland Oregon with seven siblings who I'm tight with you know not a lot of people like have that type of background so like I'm I think I'm super lucky in that regard um but to, going back on your question, I think I'll probably you know probably do what I've always done, which is just keep on asking questions, mm. and that'll you know that'll lead me to certain teammates and veterans who have been around the game, been around players, you know, who offer you know words of advice to me because I think that's how the game evolves: is older players passing it down to younger players. So mm-hmm. I'll do that, and then I'll you know keep on watching film probably. Learn learn how to watch film differently than I have in the past. You keep on stacking, stacking um, details and yeah. Mm. What's uh, what other interests do you have outside of football? Like, do you what do you see yourself? I know you don't want to think about it right yeah. now, but after football, maybe during football, what do you see yourself doing? Um, I think. I've thought about it, and I think I've always wanted to do something that's authentic to who I am. You know, so after football, I probably I want to own a couple, you know, a couple businesses that align with my my interests and my values. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I, I want to do something I'm passionate about, something that's kind of a part of who I am. Um, and if that's you know a sports performance coach or having my own type of facility, then so be it. But I think I'm a you know. God willing, I'm a long way from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Any questions that I should have asked you? Any questions you should have asked me? That's right, that I didn't already. I can't think of anything. I mean, I think, um, I think growing up, and you see this with Josiah, too. Josiah's like, yeah. a 12-year-old, your 12-year-old brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, like, there's times where I look back and I was like, not an angry kid, but I, <laughs> no, you were angry. <laughs> I was kind, I was kind of angry, but I didn't know why, and I was kind of just. And I think it was the fact that I was in a, such a big family, with so much going on that we were always late, and our schedule was very, <laughs> yeah. our schedule was super. Uh, we were we were really adaptable. You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. If we were late, then so be it. But that goes against my nature. Yeah, I'm very time time oriented. 
have to be on schedule. I like order, all that stuff. Um, and I think part of that has helped me like had success because I can set up, I can make a plan, and I can, you know, once I make a plan, I'm I'm not gonna miss a day of of workouts. I'm not gonna miss treatment, all this stuff. But whenever I go home now, it's like that same thing that used to piss me off now actually like makes me love home the most mm. because it's somewhere, it's a place where I can just go and I don't have to worry about anything. And that's part of the the balance and adaptability stuff that I'm talking about. It's like you know, hold yourself to a high standard and, and make sure you're, you know, make sure you you have habits that you stick to and, and you're consistent in that regard. But if you miss one thing, then don't beat yourself up for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got to you gotta be adaptable. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, Well, I mean, you know that me and your mom, we've, we, we value not just how your athleticism and what it's done for you. I mean, any of our kids, but it's more the person that you are becoming. And you're someone who thinks of others before yourself. Uh, You work your butt off and, you know, you do whatever it takes in terms of like when you have a vision, like you, you do what it takes to get the job done. And that's something that I think, um, that can definitely lead to success. Is there any other things that you think leads to success? Whatever success, I mean, whatever that means to you. I mean, I think I just keep on going back to this the curiosity thing and like the why not or how does this work or like what's my limit? Or what What can I do? Where will I be a year from now? You know, how good of a, how good of a son can I be? How good of a, a boyfriend can I be? How good of a, a teammate, a leader can I be? And then, okay, like, what do I have to do to, to get to that level? And mm-hmm. it's, it's the good thing about that is it's never ending. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what excites me in life is the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. All right. Here's here's a question for the people. This is the last question? Yeah, last question. Right. Here's the last one. He's holding me hostage. <laughs> What's the first thing you're going to purchase when you sign your contract? Don't be like me. I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. See, that's good. I started thinking about a Mercedes Benz. No. Like... <laughs> I'll be leasing my cars. I, I honestly, I have no idea. Probably a vacation somewhere. A little trip to, I don't know, wherever. But I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not interested in that stuff. That's, that's so good. That's so good. I was, okay, here's one. What was, when was the moment that you was like, you know what? I got a chance to get, to play in the NFL. Let me tell second you mine. Second grade? <laughs> second grade? Yeah, it's like. Damn. With Josiah, where he's like, he, he says he's gonna play in the NFL, all this stuff, and it's like, we look at him now, like you haven't done anything. <laughs> and at that point, I hadn't done anything either, but I kind of knew. Yeah. Um, I hoped, and I put it on myself, but like, yeah, I think it's always been there, and I think it's because you were there. Damn. So, that's dope. I knew when I was gonna play in the NFL when I, right before my junior year, we ran our forty. For what? In in college? In college. Oh wow. And I was like, 
I ran a four three two, and I was like, I'm playing in the next level because oh. that was because you know back then it's like how fast are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how, how fast are you? Do you meet these certain requirements? How much you bench? Yeah. <laughs> how you know how how uh, your broad jump or your vertical, your shuttle, all this mm-hmm. stuff. How important is that? To me? Yeah. <laughs> Don't even give me a start. I know. Cause, I I mean, mean, because people people get so, they fall in love with these times. It's 40 times or size and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I've played with guys who have great size and speed, but they lack football IQ. Or I've played with guys who are vastly undersized, yep. but have a long, successful career because of their commitment and because of the knowledge that they're always seeking in it, they're they're always putting in the time. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of uh, and not just football players but athletes that they think because they have to reach, they have to be this fast or this tall or weigh this much. Yeah, that they're going to have success or that's going to put them in a driver's seat. Well, that's just not the that's no. just not the case. And I think I mean that, for me that's always kind of been on the back end, but now that I'm in the process of you know, having a pro day and, and all that stuff. Um, it has been my main point of focus just because it's like, all right, you don't think I'm, you don't think I'm fast? All right. We'll see. But, um, it's, I mean, it's an indicator for success, but it's not like, you don't want to put all your, you know, it doesn't, it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, it is what it is and we'll see when I run or when I jump or all that stuff. That's but once when I'm done with this whole thing, you know, I'm not going to look back. What you mean? Done with this whole thing? What? Like once I'm done, after I run this 40, I'm not running another 40 again in my life. <laughs> I'm not I testing ran, again. I ran my 40 um, for my pro day yeah. in 96. And then the, the next time I ran a 40 was eight years later when I was trying out for the Lions. Mm. And I was so pissed. I called my agent. I said, Your "Man, they want." Drop. I was like, "Man, they want me to." I still ran fast. I still I ran a four five five. That's not at, oh, at thirty years lasered? old. Yes. No, it was handheld. I was thirty years old. I never ran a. Yeah, okay. It's eight it's years. Fast. I mean, come on now, four three two to four five five. That's. Yeah, I think if you, I mean, if you have, if you come in. To the league or or anything, and you have the athleticism, plus the. Um, IQ plus if you you know play the people say if you play the game um, above the shoulders you know if you're you know you're a smart player then you know good things will come but okay yeah. top okay last thing last question top three attributes that make a good defensive back uh, I want to say football player. Like physical or mental? Uh, no, just whatever. You only got three, though. Okay. Um, instincts. I'll go... No, hold on. Scratch that. I'll go man coverage ability. Okay, so we're one. talking for DBs. Okay. Yeah. Man coverage ability. Um, pattern recognition, like in your zone drops. Okay. So IQ. Yep. And then I'll go... You said three? Yeah. Probably go tackling. 
tackling or ball skills, but yeah. Tackling's overrated. Tackling's underrated. I just tackling. Ugh. I mean that's good for you. I just you look at the I mean all I mean, you the gotta you do look it. at it's the Pro Bowl DBs, all of them tackle. Yeah. Jalen yeah. Ramsey, Buddha. Yeah. You're right. I just remember a conversation I had with the all pro Eric Allen. Yeah. In my first time tackling in practice, I came in there and was man, uh-huh. came in there, boom. And then he's he, like, what are you doing? And then he called me over and said, Hey, hey, rookie, number one, come on over here. And he said, What was that? I said, Man, that's a tackle. I came in there. He said, Yeah, you want to play a long time in this league? Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Man, hey, thank you for being a guest on the Shark Effect. I'll make sure to get you a hat and a shirt. You've been saying that for like three months. I know. I'll take care of it, though. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.